Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan Lapique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. And I'm pleased to have with us here today a triumvirate of digital labor experts. We have the U.S. practice, Mr. Ryan Harper, Mr. Atul Shahi, and Mr. Mahendra Goyal. They are members of the Shared Services and Outsourcing Advisory Group within KPMG US, and they focus on, as the name implies, helping clients with shared services, outsourcing, global business services, and increasingly helping them understand process automation and digital labor and what that will mean. So, gentlemen, thanks for joining us here today on Advice Worth Keeping. Maybe to start out, this is obviously digital labor, cognitive automation, robotics process automation. It's a really big topic. Uh, We're not going to certainly address all aspects of it today, but maybe to start out, Ryan, if you can give us a little little bit of context about digital labor automation and in particular how it's impacting the work that you and your colleagues on the line are doing with our clients today. How we at KPMG and the Shared Services and Outsourcing Practice think about digital labor are basically around the technologies that automate physical tasks and augment human judgment. These are applications that range from the automation and digitization of business operations all the way through uh, performing highly skilled decisions. And this will impact many different types of ways throughout the continuum of the workforce, such as executives, accountants, attorneys, scientists, you name it. It's changing the, the workforce of the future. Overall, what we would say here is this is from a shared services and outsourcing perspective, is that clients need to assess now with this new lever that they can pull as part of their service delivery model what should they do and when should they outsource? When should they choose digital labor? That's what we'll talk about today. Obviously, most firms won't be pursuing this independently. There's a huge technology dimension to this. And in many cases, firms might be using some of their existing tech vendors, whether that's enterprise systems or in other areas. But often, they're going to be looking at perhaps bringing in the new technology vendors and service providers. So Mahendra, perhaps if you could give us a little bit of the lay of the land from the, the technology vendor standpoint, what should organizations be thinking about based on what they can leverage that they may already have in-house today, either using that more creatively or, or waiting for their existing vendors set to offer these services, or should they really be looking outside to some of the specialists that have started to make a name for themselves when it comes to digital labor? So when we think about digital labor, it's prudent to say that there are different kinds of automation. And generally how we like to think about automation is there are three broad categories. The first one, the simplest kind, is what we call as basic automation, basic process automation. These are very, very rule-based transactions. The best way to think about them is Excel macros on steroids. And similar to Excel, it can execute rule-based transactions and great for repeatable transactions, manual transactions. The best part about this is this is no longer limited to Excel. So this can actually cross applications, work on an entire agent desktop, and do all those tasks that a human being is really doing. The second category that we think about is the enhanced process automation. This is a slightly more complex category. It includes components of unstructured data, has more ability to self-learn, can include components like pattern recognition or even some base components of natural language processing. The third, and probably the most complex, is the cognitive automation. And these are highly complex systems which provide decision support. They have advanced algorithms. They allow automation of processes that are really cognitive in nature. So think about how do humans think, making judgments, doing human analysis. Those are the components which these cognitive automation solutions are really, really good at. They can process super data sets. They can do predictive analytics, hypothesis generation, 
really display components of artificial intelligence, natural language processing, and so on. As the name suggests, and as you can probably gather, because these are so complex systems, they are, of course, the most expensive and most time-consuming to implement. Definitely not something that organizations would typically be able to do in-house, but you have IBM Watson, Chatterbox, and some of the other solutions which are developing. Okay, so it sounds like a complex landscape to navigate, but I'm sure well worth the effort given some of the potential benefits that you've been articulating. So Ryan, back to you. Your group works across really all industries and sectors and support most functions within an organization. Are you seeing greater uptake in one industry versus the next? And if so, which ones and why? So from a functional standpoint, I know there's a lot going on in finance and accounting. Is that the function that is leading this or is it in other functional areas such as HR or perhaps customer care and support? So what we're seeing overall is many different industries, and everyone is very interested in what we're talking about today in the digital labor, especially in the class one that Mahindra just referred to. Industries such as banking, pharmaceuticals, life sciences, also any industry that has a great deal of compliance type or regulatory types of activities where there's manual effort involved. Those are the industries that are really looking for ways to cut costs, ways to make themselves more efficient, to cut the cost of compliance down. I can tell you that from my personal experience, what we're seeing is while there is interest in finance and accounting, the types of functions that are really being led within digital labor are more around initial call center, knowledge-based types of activities where we're collecting data and you're making a corpus and body of knowledge around that data to make decisions and to drive customer solutions and also drive decision points with in the IA process. I would also say that as organizations are going forward in this, they need to really look at where people are spending their time. From our experiences, when organizations have large groups of people spending effort and time, there's generally a high degree of manual effort involved in that, which is a great area for RPA, robotics process automation, the class one types of activities that Mahindra was just referring to. There are other activities that are more decision-based oriented, and those are the classes of automation that are a little higher up on the scale, but most clients are starting within that first class one activity and looking really closely at their organization. How can they drive out the cost to perform? So, Ryan, maybe continuing on that point, obviously a lot of uptake, but you highlighted some of the areas that are most active, but really what's what's in it? What's the return organizations can expect from these investments? I mean, the obvious one is you have greater automation that sh- should lower costs and for good or bad, perhaps eliminate some headcount, but what's the return for organizations investing in the different types of process automation? What's the ROI and how do they really calculate that and then measure that going forward to make sure this is all worthwhile? Again, conceptually, this sounds great, but how do you turn that into to a business case, what should that case look like? Well, from our experience, Sam, what we've seen is employing digital labor, you can get anywhere from a 10 to 40% cost takeout by removing the FTEs out of the process. The typical payback period can be anywhere from six months to a year, depending upon where you're at in the life cycle. If you already have licenses for particular types of vendors that perform the class one types of RPA all the way up to the class three. I would tell you that from my experience, again, that the clients that see the greatest cost takeout are, again, those that were really driving those compliance-based functions down to a pure just dealing with exceptions, not dealing with the standard types of activities, driving costs out by removing of the FTEs. And then is this something you typically see organizations jumping right into, at least on the lower end of the scale that Mahendra described in terms of process automation? Can they just go out and buy some technology or take the technology they have and launch something? Or do you see organizations are taking more of a pilot first, go live later approach? Well, again, just how we think about it from our global business services, you have to have a strategy first. 
from there, you would define where are the opportunities within the organization, doing a scan of the organization for the class one types of opportunities, driving manual processes down to purely digital types of functions. From there, you would probably set up a proof of concept to demonstrate what is this feasible, can this be done, and then from the organization from there can go forward and implement the proof of concept as ideas start percolating throughout the organization, when people see what a class one type of robot can do, freeing resources up to perform more value-added activities, the ideas start percolating very quickly around what other opportunities are out there within the workplace. We can use those to fund other types of class two and eventually class three types of activities um, and digital labor automation initiatives within the organization. Ultimately, what has to happen, though, is there has to be a solid business case. You have to build the business case to make sure just because you're taking point two of an FTE out of an organization. Does that make sense? It might make sense if you have a hundred FTEs that are performing something that takes them an hour each day. But if you have a one FTE that's performing something for 10 minutes a day, does that make sense? It really depends upon Again, the business case, if the FTE is a very costly FTE and this activity can be automated, there might be a better business case. So this all sounds good, particularly if you have the business case and the approach that Ryan just described. But a tool, from your perspective, what are some of the key issues or key challenges organizations should be aware of as they go into this? In addition to having a good business case and a good strategy, as Ryan articulated, are there some common gotchas out there that organizations should be aware of? What should they really make sure they focus on as they start down the path, either towards pilot or towards something broader? So that's a great question, Stan. Two key points come to my mind. One is, I'll build on what Ryan said. One is that you need to be clear on what digital labor really is. Frankly, it is just an additional lever to defining a service delivery model for a process. People familiar with the service delivery model will know that there are broadly four questions we go out and ask. What work is getting done? Who is doing it? Where is it getting done? And ultimately, how? Digital labor, in particular, is trying to answer who is doing it, and potentially to a certain level how, just by the nature of what digital labor is. So be clear on what you're getting into. And once you are there, the next step is to have a strategy on how you want to deliver the process. When you're done with this, only then you want to dive into a next step like a POC, or you want to go directly into building out the entire robotics farm. That's one key point. The other one is, while you get into the robotics journey, you also need to plan on how you will manage digital labor workforce in the future. This can easily and quickly get out of hand as deploying a robot is quick and amassing a digital workforce of 20 or 50 plus robots happens in no time. The issue from there on is how do you manage this workforce and the overall program? One needs to think about quite a few things. For example, how do you manage knowledge? How does training work? How do you track value? How do you manage third parties? So a tool then, based on what you said, are we talking about new target operating models in the functions that are in scope for these process automation efforts that incorporate RPA and cognitive? Or is it a scenario of we're looking at operating models specifically around process automation that would cross the different functional areas in their operating models that are already in existence? Or if that's too complicated, is it somewhere in between? But from an operating model standpoint, how should organizations approach this? One of the interesting models we are seeing based on based on the fact that companies are understanding the broader complexity and what does it take to really build and manage a bot. One of the interesting things we see is people are looking at a digital labor managed services model. Let me take it one by one. So what is in plan? So plan is the initial consulting piece, as in how do you identify and qualify an opportunity which can actually be benefit from a bot? What is the right solution for this? Again, going back to Mahindra's point, and we discussed there's so many automation solutions out there and as many coming up every month. What is the right solution for that opportunity? 
How does the benefit case work out? As Ryan was talking about having a solid business case, how do you plan that out? With all these opportunities coming up, how do you have a solid implementation plan? So some of these things are things you work out in the plan phase and they expect partner to help them with that. With that done, the whole build piece as well, configuring the bot, testing the bot, training the users. Okay, gentlemen, you provided some great insights today. Maybe to wrap up a tool, what are maybe the prototypical three key things organizations should be thinking about when they sign off from this podcast? Three things they should be looking at when they go back to their desk or get to the office tomorrow to focus on really taking advantage of the opportunities you've laid out today, but also uh, recognize some of the challenges. What are the three key takeaways? So a couple of things which come to mind stand on this is one, as Ryan was alluding to earlier, you need to have a solid strategy in place before you want to dive into a proof of concept, a complete farm build out, be clear on the role of digital labor and be clear on what you can expect from that. But that's one part of it. Second, you need to know what are the change management considerations across based on what you're getting into and what does it take to manage the bot. Lastly, as again I'm alluding to, long-term success depends on the strength on the governance mechanism in place. So while you start out and you start out with the first bot, you need to think through what would it take to manage a larger pool of workforce, which is digital. Okay, well, great advice, gentlemen. So thank you for your time today. We'll have to get you back. Obviously, there's a lot of material we covered at high level today with some amount of depth, but I think with each of the areas you discussed, we could drill into it in more detail. Ryan Mahindra Atul, thank you very much for your time today on this edition of Advice Worth Keeping. And you can find the links to the items we referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash US slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation.